Hello everybody, my name's Darren. I write a blog called The Demon's Voice, which you can find at ademonsvoice.blogspot.com. It's about movies and shit like that. I'm also on Twitter, at A Demon's Voice, which you should definitely follow me, because oh, why the fuck not? Uh, today we're talking about Spider-Man Far From Home, the latest Marvel movie since the last one. Uh, there's a bit in the movie where Spider-People mistake Spider-Man for somebody else called the Night Monkey. It's very funny. Anyway, that's a little segue. I was at the zoo today, and I was looking at the monkeys, and a dad went up to the glass where the monkeys were with his kids, and the dad went, oh, look, that one's got some poo hanging down from its bum. And I looked, and it did not have poo hanging down from its bum. It had a weird little dick, like a little weird sort of fleshy dick. Like, um, like imagine if Gilderoy... Do you know how in the second Harry Potter book, or movie rather... Gilderoy Lockhart tried to fix Harry's broken arm and he just took the bones out and then it was a floppy arm. It was, the monkey's dick looked like Gilderoy Lockhart had done that to its dick instead. It had like taken the dick bit out but it left just the dick skin. So the dad goes up and he goes, uh, oh god that, that monkey's got poo coming out of its bum. So I looked and saw just a dick. And then the kid goes, which monkey? And then the dad must have realised and he went, oh, doesn't, doesn't matter. So that's my, that's my zoo story. That's what I learned today at the zoo. Anyway, uh, so I guess we're talking about Spider-Man this week. I hope you've all seen it. It was pretty good. I thought it was good, as you'll find out when I read my blog to you now. Cheers! Oh, it's hard when you're a teenager, isn't it? You dick, I mean. Not so much these days, but back then there was no bigger thorn in my side than the boner in my pants. Just fucking constant. In fact... I honestly don't know how people haven't figured out that Spider-Man is a teenage boy based on how tight his costume is and how often he must get those occasionally random boners. He could be hanging upside down on a lamppost just minding his own business and suddenly, hoop, random boner time! I mean, he'd have definitely gotten in the last movie when Vulture was trying to choke him to death, wouldn't he? And if you ask me, it shows a complete lack of initiative on his part too that he didn't just whip it out and start thrashing away. Best case scenario is that your enemy gets so freaked out that they let you go, Worst case is that you simply go out with a smile. In Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter decides to follow his dick to Europe, where he intends to woo MJ, his school crush. In fact, it's a school trip that he's going on, and so you can imagine that his biggest enemy will be whichever teacher has given up their free time to take the children away. Here's a clue, it's probably a pedo one. But the reality is that there's a bunch of crazy shit going down with some elemental giant things that he has to sort out. Of course, he has to do this without giving his secret identity away, which is going to be even more difficult when he's got his entire class keeping tabs on him and MJ constantly reminding him that it's boner time! Now that we're in a post-endgame world, I suppose that the first thing that we have to address is in how well Peter Parker will do without the charismatic aid of Tony Stark to play off. There might be an endgame spoiler coming up right now in case you're asked. Instead of one mentor, however, Far From Home has given Peter the full spectrum of stepfather-type figures to play with this time, Nick Fury is constantly trying to get him to work on his mission of saving the world, despite Peter's desire to enjoy his holiday and just stalk the girl he likes. Nick Fury is the 1950s-style stepfather in that he's constantly disappointed, and no matter what you do, his response will be to show you the buckle end of his belt. As in he hits you with it, I mean. Not because it's shiny and he has some sort of brain damage. Then there's Happy Hogan, who shares Parker's grief over the loss of Stark. There's that spoiler. Hogan is the stepfather type that was your dad's best friend, and now has confusing feelings of his own in that he understands your pain, but he also wants to bang your mum. He wants to do right by you and he does like you, but he knows that he can't be your friend because he's also, quite literally, a motherfucker. Then there's newcomer Quentin Beck, aka Mysterio. 
He arrives at the same time as the Elementals, and he really does make an effort to have Peter like him. He takes him out for drinks, and he encourages him to give up his world-saving mission in favour of just having some fun. Beck is the cool tennis coach type of stepfather that you'd love to have as your dad, without realising that you've idealised him so much that he's really only going to let you down. In real life, he's the kind of stepfather that would buy you weed to show you that he can be trusted before grassing you up to your mum as a distraction when she spots that he's been sending pictures of his dick to his ex-girlfriend. The other thing that I'd really wondered about before seeing Far From Home was how they were going to handle the character of Mysterio. In case you don't know his comic book backstory, then I won't spoil it for you, except to say that it walks a tightrope of silliness with only a steep drop into shite on either side. I mean, that's even true of his appearance in that it's a basic green suit-purple cape combo and then a random goldfish ball on his fucking head. In the way that Archimedes shouted Eureka when noticing the water levels rise in his bath, when the original artist came up with the design for Mysterio, I can only assume that they just shouted, ah, fuck it. The way that this film has adapted him for the MCU, however, is pure genius. The biggest initial shock is in how much of his ridiculous origin they've actually managed to maintain, while still updating it to fit in with the world of the films. Like a politician attempting to explain their plan for Brexit, however, I can't really go into the details there without spoiling any of the wonderful surprises. Except, in my case, I do actually have an explanation, and the spoilers aren't that you're going to die in a ditch after months of eating nothing but fucking cockroaches. It's worth saying too that Jake Gyllenhaal is proper batshit brilliant in the role, as he continues to prove that he's one of the most interesting actors working today. He doesn't really get the praise he deserves, but look at his CV, and you'll see that along with Donnie Darko, Zodiac, Nightcrawler, and Heath Ledger's character in Brobat Mountain, he's been in some truly memorable things. I, uh, I don't know if you spotted it, but there was actually a gay joke in there. I'm so clever. If there's any subtext to the movie, it's probably that of fake news, which is a phrase I can barely hear these days without my eye twitching so violently that it looks like I'm having a fucking stroke. But Far From Home is about a world in which we're told people will believe anything, by a villain that intends to manipulate the media into giving them power. It also emphasises quite how far the power of showmanship can get you, when everything that you have to offer is complete fucking bullshit. Although, it's worth noting that the villain here at least acts as his own master, and isn't simply trying to trick his way into power, after having been filmed playing in some piss with some Russian prostitutes. And speaking of fake news, or as it should be known, bullshit, you might have heard about Far From Home being the final film in this phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But didn't Endgame have a definitive ending, I can hear you ask? Can this really wrap up the events of that previous definitive and era-defining blockbuster? To which the obvious answer is, uh, no. Honestly, I've always struggled to understand how these phases are defined, but Far From Home isn't quite the epilogue that the marketing would have you believe. It briefly deals with the world post-snap, and there's a theme of Peter having to take Stark's place as the king of the heroes, but the real reason that it's being declared the final film in this phase is to simply position it as more of a direct sequel to one of the biggest films of all time. I hate to sound cynical, but by calling it the final film in this phase, the marketing department are treating you like such a bitch that you may as well pop a ball gag into your mouth and live in a fucking box for them. Not that I consider the marketing a criticism of the film, of course. Sure, Far From Home might have been better had it gone into Parker's grief a bit more, but this sequel follows in Homecoming's footsteps by focusing as much on being a fun teen comedy as it does an action film. As with the On The Buses movie, Kevin and Perry Go Large, and when my parents found that my pet hamster had died, they're on holiday now is usually a lazy excuse for a story. Also, my parents didn't say that when my hamster died that it had gone on holiday, they just told me the truth, they said the cat's eating it. Anyway, but it was actually quite interesting to see if this film could keep the spirit of the Spider-Man character by setting him predominantly in an environment that isn't New York for a change. Obviously, I know he went to space a few movies back, but before you shout that at me, you can go fuck yourself for being a pedant. 
Thanks to how much fun it is to spend time with Parker and his friends though, it doesn't seem to matter where the web slinger is, so long as the film remembers both its heart and its life lessons. Aww. Like Sam Raimi's original Spider-Man 2, this film is essentially a reworking of the refusal of the call trope. Except to prevent cliché from setting in, it's not that Parker can't be fucked being a hero anymore, but rather that he'd just like five minutes to try and get his bonk on with MJ. He's doing so well with her in terms of actually trying to work out how much she likes him before asking her out too. I'm so cynical now that I just scroll a question mark onto my cock with a sharpie, then send a picture of it out to everybody on my fucking email contacts. So it was nice to see Peter and MJ's relationship evolve in a way that reminds me that there might be some sweetness left in the world after all. Thanks for listening, motherfuckers, and see you next time.